the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. W.H. Weiskarper, a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Weiskarper, a former National Security Advisor and counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches, fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Carver's book, Twilight of Empire, shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. Twilight of Empire by W.H. Weiscarver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner program, visit whyscarver.com. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Wash my hands I don't touch my face I stay at home Shelter in place Social distance Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves I stay away from church Should I sneeze? I do it in my elbow or up my sleeve. Six feet apart. That is the rule. And I pray for the day the kids can go back to school. I'm washing my hands. Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm 
everybody as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour had a little hat tip to uh, Columbus Day although it's officially called Indigenous Peoples Day um, but uh, that was um, a fun little send-up from uh, Andy Griffith of course in uh, coming up this hour our uh, final guest on uh, today's show we're going to spend the uh, hour with uh, Kevin McCarney author of the new book nope that was first hour I thought it sounded familiar no we're going to talk with uh, Jerry Hyde from the UK who is uh, the author of Empathy for the Devil and uh, he is um, a psychotherapist often thought of as uh, what was the phrase I got the biggest kick out of uh Oh, he uh, engages in gonzo therapy. So we're going to talk about gonzo therapy a little bit. Plus, we'll have another uh, another chance to uh, hear our Schlocktober pick of the day, which is Grammy Granny from the uh, 
from the Clampets, the uh, Beverly Hillbillies uh, actress Eileen Dunn is in the uh, comment or the Schlocktober pick of the day, and we'll get to that before uh, before the end of the show, and uh, um, and we'll probably have uh, William Shatner in Schlocktober again since this week he's uh, going into space. We did several last week, but we'll try to get to some others. There were some new ones last year, and we'll try and get some of those in as well. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, my guest this hour uh, is uh, with me by phone from the U.K., where he's uh, worked in film, theater, TV, and the music business. And then... Uh, Later, after uh, seeking help for drug dependency, he retrained as a psychotherapist and now practices what has become known uh, by some as gonzo therapy. He has a book out that we're going to talk about a little bit called Empathy for the Devil, Make Your Demons Work for You Without Selling Your Soul. His name is Jerry Hyde. He joins me by phone. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tom, thanks for having me. Did I set that up okay? <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. That's a, you know, it's never easy to describe yourself, but I, so I, I tend to rely on what, how people describe me. Well, yeah. in, the, in the book, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't help looking at the title and thinking you might be a Rolling Stones fan. <laughs> you got that. You got that link. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little bit, but what a clever title, "Empathy for the Devil." And is there anything special other than a, a clever sort of play on words going on in the title? I think it's um, you know, it's probably at the root of my approach to all work is is you know what Carl Jung would have called shadow work. So rather than demonizing the uh the sides of ourselves that we don't like which let's face it never made them go away i think it's better to shine the light on them and you know befriend them and get them working for you rather than you working for them which is one of the ways i found it useful to look at my own problems with you know i say drug abuse but i include tobacco in that so you know it doesn't have to be heroin or extreme things most of us most of us these days you could include mobile phones you know cell phones have things we're hooked on and i don't like i don't like being dependent on things i like to be in charge so i think the uh the title of the book is really a reference to the the self-compassion that you need if you're going to do any work because the minute you demonize yourself you're not going to want to look at that side of yourself so you need to have a degree of compassion well, these are the things in our lives, um, whether they're whether it's chemical dependency or dependency uh, on on something else, um, that we beat ourselves up for. Mm, yeah, yeah, they're not they're not popular, are they? <laughs> well, no. Unless, it, I mean, some some addictions are you know work addiction can be uh, can be something that people are celebrated for or just compulsively caring for other people is something that society will often applaud but i think it it can be just as addictive as some of the the more darker things and it can be hurtful to the individual yeah absolutely 
Yeah, anything that takes you away from yourself or distracts you from your pain is ultimately going to cause more pain. And and how do how do we address that? I mean, when we think about, um, you know, you mentioned tobacco. I mm. recently switched from smoking tobacco to vaping, or as I like to mm-hmm. say, I went digital. But. Um, but that's something I've wrestled with forever. And when you have something like that, a habit, an addiction, um, and and you think about it, that's kind of what brings you down and turns you somewhat against yourself. How do you how do you change your thinking so that when you look at something like that, you can deal with it rather than react to it how do people confront their demons typically when we think of our demons we um, feel badly about ourselves how do we change our thinking so that when we look at our demons we're doing something productive either in getting rid of them or accepting them yeah i mean i come from the position you're not going to get rid of them uh i think you know we're most of us are entrenched in kind of christian duality ideas of right and wrong and good and bad which you know they they have a place but when you're talking about personal growth they're not especially useful and so i built my i suppose my argument in the book on two uses of the word demon one is the Latin word demon, which refers to a, an evil spirit, you know, a, a malevolent force. And the earlier word daemon, which is actually Greek, which is referring more to a guardian angel, uh, you know, um, a, protective, a protective side of ourselves. And I think they can be one and the same. You can, you can take, you know, in my case, I've taken my addiction, which is anyone who's addictive has a very obsessive compulsive side to themselves and you can take that obsessive compulsive behavior and you can put it into behaviors that are negative or damaging to yourself and the people around you or like i say in my case i'll take that obsessive compulsive drive and put it into my creativity so i will addictively write books uh i will addictively you know addictive makes it sound negative immediately but that kind of commitment. There's, if you write a book, if you if you compose an opera, or you record an album, or you make a sculpture or a painting, you have to be obsessive. You know, to to write a book, to make a film, it's such a such a vast, long term and, and detailed process that you have to have a bit of an obsessive, driven side to yourself. So I like to think of it as harnessing my demons rather than getting rid of them, because that demon that can make me smoke 30 cigarettes a day or, you know, smoke loads of cannabis or take other drugs can also be harnessed and used to be very productive. More with psychotherapist and author from the UK, Jerry Hyde, straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hornets. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com Hello. Speaking. Oh dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with psychotherapist and author from the UK, Jerry Hyde, straight ahead. Now, I'm looking through some talking points that were sent to me relative to you and I getting together to chat a little bit, and it talked, and, and one of them was about the safe use of mind-altering substances. That may yeah. sound a little oxymoronic to some people. Yeah, I mean, again, in our culture, because we've been taught, you know, uh, through the war on drugs, that, uh, that you know, drugs are dangerous, they're bad, they're going to mess you up. Whereas I was listening to a podcast, I think it, I might be doing it, with, I think it might have been Michael Pollan, the, uh, the American journalist. He, he made a very pertinent point. He said, wherever there's ceremony and ritual, there's very rarely uh, problems when, when you're you know, talking about any kind of mind-altering substance. And that can include alcohol. So when you, when you use uh, alcohol in a, as a sacrament, you know, in a ritual, in a religious ritual, when you use al- alcohol as a toast in a situation, it doesn't usually get out of control. The same is true for most not all, but most substances. So the, the traditional shamanic use of medicines like uh, psilocybin, magic mushrooms, or you know, peyote cactus, or ayahuasca, or iboga, or any of these different things that have been used as far back as, you know, pre before any records. You know, you look at cave paintings, and there are things that can be, uh, we can assume are references to what we would call drug culture from 35,000 years ago. So I think it's how you use these substances rather than right or wrong or good or bad. And as we've seen, when, when you bring prohibition in, like we saw in America in the 20s, you immediately get cocktails. <laughs> it doesn't stop people. People have always liked to alter their consciousness. And if you use it in a more sacramental way to, to develop and evolve, it tends not to be problematic if you use it, you know, to get wasted and escape. Then long-term use of that will probably cause problems. Is is there such a thing as a bad trip? I don't think so. But there's really unpleasant trips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be very, very scary. It can be very confronting because, of course, when you, whether it's through psychedelics or just conventional therapy. If it was as simple as offering someone a different path and then taking it, you know, I would have been out of business years ago. Um, we don't need, go, need to go and see a therapist once or twice or something. But um, I think when you have a bad trip, what we call a bad trip, is your ego going, no, 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 I don't want to die. I don't want, you know, or your persona saying, I'm very attached to who I think I am. Even though it's not working, it's familiar to me. And when you drop these quite, you know, often very powerful psychedelic experiences onto someone's psyche, you know, into their their persona or their ego, really what you're talking about is potential death of that side of yourself. And that's, that's a very frightening prospect. So, you know, change is something that it's a very complex thing. It's not as simple as as just, oh, I'm going to be a better person, because if you're really attached to who you think you are, you have to let that, that part of yourself die before you can be a, a more evolved human being. And death's pretty scary to, to our egos as well as the rest of us. 
What are the risks of altering your mind, either from substances or through, I don't know, maybe therapy? Yeah, I mean, therapy can re-traumatize people. You know, I think you have to be very patient. You know, the opposite of our culture, which is speed-driven, it's all about instant fix, instant delivery, you know, instant food delivery. We expect everything to be delivered by Amazon immediately. And so if you rush into any evolutionary process, there's, there's a risk. So if I'm working with a traumatized person, I might take 10 years. I might never really delve into the minutiae or the detail. I'll, I'll wait for that to be offered to me um, because asking someone to recount uh, prematurely a really traumatic experience can re-traumatize them. So I think, you know, patience is the word. And when you're talking about psychedelics, I think the real danger is to use them for the wrong reason. So recreationally is uh, can be, you know, I've used psychedelics recreationally and had a really good time, but I'm talking about the kind of teacher medicines like ayahuasca and those, those kind of peyote uh, boga. They're, they're pretty dangerous if you if you approach them in the wrong way, but if you approach them in the right way with humility and respect and reverence and you've done, a, I would suggest, a significant amount of more traditional, you know, self-development work where you have some grasp of what it is that you might be confronting, then they can be fantastic. I mean, I tend to use them with clients that I've worked with for a long time who I see are blocked. Uh, and that, that block can often be because the issues they're dealing with are maybe pre-verbal. And talking therapy isn't very useful for pre-verbal experiences because we have no language to describe or access uh, what it is that's troubling us. So a plant medicine like ayahuasca can take you into pre-verbal places and help you understand, you know, what shaped you or what hurt you. The name of the book is Empathy for the Devil, Make Your Demons Work for You Without Selling Your Soul. The author is uh, Jerry Hyde. Jerry, um, let me, let me, you mentioned, um, uh, was it peyote a minute ago? Um, yeah. or a couple of minutes ago and you were talking about using mind-altering substances in ritualistic ways and you pointed to sacrament as, as one example of that. Um, but isn't... If you belong to a tribe of some sort that's that's doing a ritual... Um, aren't, aren't you sort of giving in to the crowd? Um, that's an interesting question. I mean... Or is there a different way of looking at it, Jerry? Like like maybe there's something healthy in belonging? I, th I think, yeah, there's good sides and bad sides to tribalism, right? Um, I think belonging is essential for human psychological well-being and that's why we used to use exile from the tribe as one of the you know the major deterrent punishments it was one down from the death sentence so belonging is incredibly important and we 
are very capable of losing ourselves and giving up our own autonomy and um, you know sense of who we are or authenticity in order to belong so that's a mixed bag you know you can sell out that's really what I'm talking about by not selling it so you can sell out for a bit of love you can give up on who you are in order to be accepted by the gang that's absolutely true and I think it's a very uh, it's a very difficult and delicate path to tread when you're trying to live authentically you know it's also quite antisocial because society depends on a bunch of people all more or less conforming to set rules or set set behaviors you know we need that to have a, a healthy functioning society so if you get too authentic you know you can be perceived as antisocial so it's a very fine line to tread that 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 path in between the two and and be honest to yourself and, how, how do you so, know how do you know if you're crossing that line jerry i think you've got to have i mean you've got to have a pretty good um reliable group of people around you you know i do a lot of group work and i think groups yeah, as, as long as you know we could talk for hours about what makes a healthy group and what makes an unhealthy group, but as long as the, the essence of the group, the kind of core ethos of the group is beneficial and the intention of that particular group of people is to help each other, then you have those people around you, whether it be family or an organized therapeutic group or a social group who can confront you and say, look, I, I don't think you're being your best self. And that's essential and we've always done that as a species we've always you know had that kind of you know it's harder and harder than ever because our healthy tribal culture or communal culture has has necessarily given you know given way to the vastness of, of our species growth and there's there's huge downsides to that you know to our own success the fact that there's so many of us so again, it's a very, very hard thing to do, but you have to seek out people that you can trust because no one, uh, I was going to say no one, I'm not sure that those absolutes are, are useful, but most of us struggle to see ourselves. So we need good feedback, whether it be from therapists or friends, we need good feedback. Jerry, you call the uh, agricultural revolution the greatest F-up in history. Um, mm -hmm. What what is the agricultural revolution and and how did it get mucked up? Uh, the agricultural revolution is uh, when we moved from essentially being you know transient hunter gatherers uh, to when someone about eight to ten thousand years ago started to think that life would be easier if we contained animals in pens and farmed them and grew crops so that we wouldn't have to risk our lives wandering around hunting things or, or trying to forage for food. I, I can see the logic of it, uh, but, I, you know, I think there's there's been tremendous problems because before the agricultural revolution, you didn't really have ownership or wealth in the way that we see it now. And as, as you know, all of us are familiar with where you, where you got wealth, you've got kind of disparity. You've, then you've got the class system or the caste system. You've got ownership. You've got theft. Uh, and I would say it's almost certainly the birthplace of misogyny because suddenly women went from being having more of an equal place 
in culture to being some uh, commodity that was owned, um, you know, as for their breeding potential. And you really needed to know that you owned your woman and you contained your woman and that she wasn't running around cheating on you because all your wealth was going to be inherited by the children you had with her. So it suddenly became really important uh, to curtail women's freedom. So I think there's, you know, there's a multitude. I'd say it's slightly tongue-in-cheek, like a lot of things in the book, but there's a multitude <laughs> of problems that, that come with all progress, right? All progress also brings, brings a downside. Like cars have, you know, the combustion engine that's brought us incredible progress, and it's also bringing us to the, the edge of extinction. Well, and you talk about uh, the misogyny of climate change. How are those two concepts related? Again, it depends on your particular view, but if we, you know, most people will refer to the planet as Mother Nature, right? It's Mother Nature. We have gendered nature. Now, gender in itself is a whole can of worms um, that we don't have time to get into now. But if you go with the idea that mother nature, you know, that nature has has a female spirit to it, and we're running around raping and pillaging and destroying and abusing and taking from this planet in the way that we are. That has, has brought it. You know, I'm I'm joining the dots there and saying that this is connected to our our patriarchal misogynist way of being that is not unique to men. You know, women also have misogyny, which is something that blew my mind when I first began to explore that. But of course women have misogyny because they're raised in a misogynistic culture. So a woman who wants her man to man up, you know, to stop being a pussy and man up and stop being so sensitive, is operating from a, a misogynistic point of view. So I think that's that's really what I'm talking about when I'm, I'm making those connections. Now, whether that's the entire cause of it, I'm not claiming that for one second, but I think it's it's all, always useful to look at things from just slightly left-field points of view. What about plant medicine versus uh, narcotics and other manufactured drugs and in, in their abuse? I mean, plant medicine is... Uh, organic it's natural I mean you know you can play with that um, but I think there's a there's been a long long history of those substances being used mostly without problem you know when they're used ritualistically as, as we've talked about already as opposed to narcotics which are wrapped up in the drug trade which means that any ritualistic or guided use is difficult because it's illegal uh, because the um, the quality is questionable because drug manufacturers aren't always the most ethical people because uh, they're just in it to make a buck um, and you, you know there's an argument to be made not entirely because I think pharmaceuticals benefit a lot of people but as we've seen particularly in America with the opiate deaths uh, you know uh, pharmaceuticals can be incredibly dangerous for people. Anything that alters your consciousness can be incredibly dangerous if it's not administered with really, really good guidance. That includes alcohol and tobacco.
tobacco. You know, tobacco is something that's been used ceremonially uh, for for millennia. But when you smoke a pack of twenty, you know, every day, it's it's going to cause you problems. Again, the uh, name of the book is Empathy for the Devil: Make Your Demons Work for You Without Selling Your Soul by psychotherapist uh, Jerry Hyde. Jerry, how did you? What made you want to write this book? And how? And you said some of the things in it are a little tongue in cheek, and I chalk that up to your uh, your good humor. But um, what? in your research or or your evolution to become a psychotherapist um, led you to some of the things that you've written in the book? Oh, it's all deeply narcissistic. (laughs) 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 If if you you want to write a book, you have to have a a degree of narcissism to even imagine that anyone else would be interested or want to read it. And, uh, Every book I've ever written, I think this is the fifth book I've written, they are part of my own inquiry, my own personal inquiry, because it's like writing a PhD, you know, if you, to, to, to explore some of the things, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, those are the three sections of the book, and to explore those, I, I did it in the way that I, I do everything, which is I, you know, I kind of wear my my heart on my sleeve and I try to be as transparent as possible and I figured that the only really real expertise that is reliable for me is my awareness of myself and my own personal journey and so I've kind of made a career out of sharing my own mistakes, you know, my own flaws, my own character flaws, my own vulnerabilities. Uh, that's, you know, I feel on pretty solid ground. If you If you ask me to talk about Jung or Freud or more academic things it's not my it's not my strongest point but using myself as the guinea pig you know which whether that's taking psychedelics to see if they have any validity and then you know knowing what I'm talking about to a degree when I recommend them to someone or exploring my own history of sexual abuse or my own personal misogyny my own uh, abusiveness my own shadow side any of these things I think uh, it, it, it begins with a personal exploration to try and understand myself better. And then I'll put it down in a book if it feels appropriate in the hope that that, you know, you've only got to help or, or inspire one other human being to make it work right, you know, worth writing the book, really. You know, our ego will have us want to win prizes and become international bestsellers. But the truth is you've only got to really help one person it's been worth the time. What is it you're hoping that, that a reader will get out of the book? Come away with well, it. Well, it'd be good will. if they stopped hate, hating themselves so much, you know. Everyone, <laughs> everyone I think, has a degree of self-loathing. Um, and as the Buddha said, you know, observe, love yourself and watch. And I think that's the best lesson I've ever learned in over 30 years of working myself. If you can just be a little bit compassionate and watch your behavior rather than judge yourself you know judgment judgment has its uses uh if in a courthouse if someone's committed a crime and you want to conclude the situation then you take them to court you place judgment on them you, you serve a sentence and that's the end of the story 
But judgment isn't so useful when it comes to self-development. So the minute you label yourself a bad person because you did something, because you became a drug addict or you cheated on your partner or you stole some money or whatever you did, then you've stopped being curious. And if you can have a degree of self-compassion, then I think the the art of self-inquiry becomes possible, which is, okay, so what was going on for me when I decided to steal the money from my boss or cheat on my wife? What was really happening? That kind of curiosity becomes possible. So I would hope that, you know, if, if someone read any of my work and absorbed a little bit of that, that they just got curious about what motivates them. You know, that, that's a way of life. It's not not something they're going to get from the book. It's not, There's not going to be a conclusion. But like doing regular exercise, if you can incorporate that into your life, a good diet, exercise, and an attitude of compassionate self-inquiry, then you're probably going to live a better life and be better to, to the people around you. What's next for you, Jerry? Oh, I've got I've always got a million projects going on because I'm a junkie, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always writing something. I have a I have a film that that's out at the moment called Make Me a Man that is kind of uh it's it's not the film of the book, but a lot of the stuff that I talk about in the book is included in, in the film. Uh, that can be found at makemeaman.com and that's um that's a very personal uh a series of interviews with a lot of people that I work with who are very generous, you know, generous enough to go on camera and share some very intimate, very vulnerable things. Um, I've got a TV series looking at plant medicines that I'm going to start working on uh, in the next few months. Uh, there's yeah, there's always something in in the pipeline with me and I you know I'm sure there always will be until I go see now or take too many plant medicines and fry my brain (laughs) well Jerry thanks for spending time with me uh, this morning again the name of the book is Empathy for the Devil Make Your Demons Work for You Without Selling Your Soul by Jerry Hyde Um, Jerry I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work past present and future do you have a website yeah my personal website is my name Jerry Hyde that's Jerry with a J and Hyde like Dr. Jekyll uh, uk. and um, yeah the, the film that I mentioned is makemeaman.com Well, Jerry, thanks uh, so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning and for your observations in this and your other books. And keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye. Once again, that was uh, Jerry Hyde from the U.K. talking about his book, um, Empathy for the Devil. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight up. The Tom Sumner Program.com Hey, <laughs> this is the unknown comic. 
And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. 
More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Milestones are never really recognized right away. It takes uh, oh, 50, 60 years before people realize what an achievement it is. Like, um, take for instance tobacco and uh, the discovery of tobacco. It was discovered by Sir Walter Raleigh, you know, and he sent it over to England from the colonies. And uh, it seems to me the uses of tobacco aren't obvious right off the bat, you know. And I imagine a phone conversation between Sir Walter Raleigh and the head of the West Indies Company in, in England uh, explaining about the shipment of tobacco that he had just sent over. I, I think it would go something like this. Yeah, who, who is it, Mary? Sir Walter Raleigh from the colony. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, put him on, will you? Uh, uh, Harry? Yeah, you want to pick up the extension? It's, uh, it's Nutty Wall again. <laughs> Hi, hi, Walt, baby. How are you, guy? How's, how's everything going? I think things are fine here, Walt. Did we get the what? Uh, the boatload of turkeys. Yeah, they, they arrived fine, Walt. Uh-huh. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're still here, Walt. Uh, they're, they're wandering all over London, as a matter of fact. Uh-huh. See, that's, uh, that's an American holiday, Walt. Uh-huh. <laughs> But what is it this time, Walt? You, you got another winner for us, uh, do you? <laughs> tobacco. <laughs> What's tobacco, Walt? It, it's a kind of leaf. And you bought 80 tons of it. <laughs> uh, let me get this straight now, Walt. You, you bought 80 tons of leaves? This, uh, this may come as kind of a surprise to you, Walt, but uh, uh, come fall in England here, we're kind of up to our... Uh... It, it isn't that kind of leap. Uh, but what is it, a, a special food of some kind, is it, Walt? Not exactly. It has a lot of different uses. Uh, like, what are some of the uses, Walt? Are, are you saying snuff, Walt? What's, what's snuff? You, you take a pinch of tobacco. <laughs> and you shove it up your nose. <laughs> and it makes you sneeze, huh? <laughs> I, uh, I imagine it would, Walt, yeah. 
Gee, uh, uh, Goldenrod seems to do it pretty well over here. Right? <laughs> it, it has some other uses, though. You, you can chew it <laughs> or put it in a pipe or, or you can shred it up and put it on a piece of paper and roll it up. <laughs> don't, don't tell me, Walt. Don't, don't tell me. <laughs> you, you stick it in your ear, right, Walt? <laughs> All, all between your lips. Well, uh, <laughs> then, then what do you do to it? Well, <laughs> you set fire to it, Walla. <laughs> then, then what do you do, Walt? You inhale the smoke. Uh, <laughs> You know, Walt, it seems offhand like you can stand in front of your fireplace and have the same thing going for you, you know? <laughs> See, Walt, uh, we've been a little worried about you, you know? <laughs> Ever since you put your, your, your cape down over that mud, you know? <laughs> See, Walt, I, I think you're going to have kind of a tough time uh, uh, selling people on sticking burning leaves in their mouth. <laughs> it's going very big over there, is it? What's the matter, Walt? You spilt your what? Your coffee. What's, what's coffee, Walt? <laughs> that's, that's a drink you make out of beans, huh? <laughs> that, that's going over very big there, too, is it? But a lot of people have the coffee right after their first cigarette in the morning, huh? Is that what you call a burning leaves, Walt? Cigarettes? Uh-huh. I'll tell you what, Walt. Why don't you send us a boatload of those beans, too? If you can talk people in, into putting those burning leaves in their mouth, they gotta go for those beans, Walt. <laughs> right. and listen, Walt. Don't call us, we'll call you. Right, Walt. Goodbye. Goodbye. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. fish or fowl, trout or owl, vegetable or human. Well, gals and guys, I'm going to put you wise. You're looking at a woman. Levi's before you can count from one to nine. I can
and scoop up a great big dipper full of schmaltz from the dripping can. Throw it in the skillet, go out and skin a rabbit and be back before it melts in the pan. Cause I'm a woman. W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. Now I can rub and scrub Jethro's boots until they're shining like a dime. Shuck the peas, shoe the fleas, and clean the outhouse at the same time. <laughs> Get all dressed up, go out and dance till 4 a.m. and then... Lay down at five, jump up at six, and start all over again. Cause I'm a woman. W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. Now, if you come to me sickly, you know I'm gonna make you well. And if you come to me all hexed up, you know I'm gonna break the spell. And if you're hungry, you know I'm gonna fill you full of grits. And if you're dry, I'll mix your corn liquor with sauerkraut juice. Ain't that a blitz? <laughs> that kind of a drink, you won't need a rocket to get to the moon. Because <laughs> I'm a woman. W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. Now I can stretch a greenback dollar bill from here to kingdom come. Tend the stills, pay my bills, and still end up with some. I got a $20 gold piece to prove what I just said. I can make a dress out of a feed bag, and I can make a man out of jail. Because I'm a woman. W-O-M-A-N. I'll say it again. Because I'm a woman. Your heart out, Jaja. <laughs> Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to Jerry Hyde, the author of Empathy for the Devil, and uh, to Lori Moore, Moore, author of Gone to Dallas. And uh, we started out this morning with uh, Kevin McCarney, author of Big Brain, Little Brain. I can't believe how fast it went by. And, of course, that was Granny Clampett in our uh, Schlocktober pick of the day. And... George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. 
Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.